Hello and welcome back to the Flicks Forum Podcast with Jesse and MJ, where each week we go back and look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This is our fifth day of Podmas, where we are releasing an episode every day in the lead up to Christmas. So today we are looking at Netflix's 53rd film. It's the 2017 comedy drama, The Meyerwitz Stories, New and Selected, directed by Noah Baumbach and it stars Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, Dustin Hoffman, Elizabeth Marvel, and Emma Thompson. Hi, MJ. Day five of Podmas. We're getting there. The weather is luckily beautiful in Australia, uh, as it always is in December. Mm. So it is great to be able to punch out a movie every day and then talk about it with you. We're only five days in and I'm like, still pretty daunting (laughs) looking forward. Nah, it's good. We're smashing it and we enjoy it. So let's just keep it going. And this was... uh, Nice to see a nice big Hollywood cast yeah. in a Netflix original film. Massive cast. So we kick off our show with a little quick summary called The Fast Flicks. MJ, what, what's your summary of this film? Um, a family dynamic not too far out of the realms of normal in various stages of their own lives come together and discover more about their pasts, their differences, and what it really means to be a family. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, I like that. It was really nice. I've said, a story told through the vignettes about a dysfunctional family with the focus around the father's role in their lives. I think yours is more nice. Oh, no. I like yours. sounded really really nice. Mine's like the father. The father. (laughs) No, but the father plays a huge part. It kind of brings everyone together, so. Yeah. All right. Well, what's some things that we've learned about uh, anything to do with the making of this film? Um, I found it. I found it very interesting that Elizabeth Marvel, who uh, played Jean, mm-hmm. uh, mentioned that she basically uh, used Frito Corleone from Godfather <laughs> as her as her inspiration. The way she played her character, which afterwards you sit there and think, like, okay, like the the kind of the outcast sibling and never quite fit in. And, yeah, um, it certainly had a very different feel to the character. But I like the fact apparently she watched a lot of John Cazale films afterwards and. <laughs> Um, used him to get into character. And it was a really interesting character too. Yeah, yeah, good. All right, well, this one... Um, so it was actually filmed in 2016. So between March and May in 2016. So it was held off for a while, but I guess that sort of goes with... Um, it was held off for Cannes Film Festival um, in 2017. And again, this was the same year that Okja... Yeah, um, I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, same, the same festival. So this was a part of that... Uh, French sort of uh, change of rules for yeah. Cannes in the following where they wanted them to release it theatrically but um, means they wouldn't have been able to put it on Netflix in France for 36 months after. Um, so, yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see how that... And that's obviously not just France where that happens. Hmm. It's going to be interesting to see how those rules change over time when... Um, and it's still happening, you know, right now in 2019 with obviously Netflix having to release films as we've seen in theaters to get them um, available for, for award nominations yep. um, but just the way that the industry is trending and we're gonna look look back on that in 10 years and go hey remember when they used to, have to do that stupid thing <laughs> yeah well they got a four minute standing ovation yeah. at the festival which was it's, it's nice nice when you hear these little I don't know who sits there with the timer and times exactly how long always <laughs> hear this stuff and you know what is there a, is there a thing when you're at these festivals that you feel obliged to clap for longer because you know that that's how it's going to be reported. Yeah, I'll probably be looking around, the, oh, there's a person next to me sitting down, or do I stay up? Or do or? you sit there and go, okay, that was about a three-minute kind of <laughs> film, and then you sit, you stop watching now yeah. and you start clapping. Because four minutes clapping is a long time. It's a crazy long time. long time. 
during production, this film was had the working title of Ye Din Ka Kisa, which um, is a Hindi phrase for the tale of this day. Yeah. The the Hindi reference I don't necessarily quite understand, but yeah. the title say that again. Or... The tale of this day. I don't mind that. I, I think that fits nicely. Yeah, because it's yeah more about the time they're living in, I guess, rather than yeah. a specific day. Yeah. Very. So what about the consensus? Or have you got anything else? Oh, just the yeah. aw- the, the awards. awards. Uh, we're not used to discussing awards on our. Netflix original podcast. We mm. occasionally have the odd random award that something was nominated for that we've never heard of. But um, in the case of this film, it was it won four awards uh, and it was nominated for seven others. So just having a quick look now on IMDb, eleven nominations altogether. It's pretty big. It's cr- it's really good for this. Yeah. Um, so they won the best ensemble cast, which is great award for this film makes a lot of sense at the boston society of film critic awards yep uh they at at khan i did see this one they won the palm dog award which (laughs) they basically award to like the best dog on a film so the dog in this film whose name was einstein as in the real dog's name was einstein won an award we're talking about dogs is there a dog update for you on this one did uh... oh yeah like let's get to it now my my dogs didn't enjoy the dog on the film just because when you're first introduced to the dog he just barks and he's off screen and he's barking the whole time what's his name again um i don't know he's a vicious dog though without this dog we probably wouldn't have had this this film but he kept like just saying like oh be quiet be quiet i'm like no do something about your dog because my dog's not enjoying it um but yeah won, won a bunch of awards um and was nominated for uh, for a lot of other awards, so really good to see. I'm sure Netflix would have loved this uh, back in 2017. Yeah, so we spoke before. It debuted at Cannes, Can, and then it went on to open at the New York Film Festival, the London Film Festival, the Hamptons International Film, and the uh, Mill Valley Festival, all in America, apart from the London, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then um, prior to releasing in October on Netflix, it was also part of the Rio de Janeiro Film Festival. Um, so, And then it was actually held off... Um, from its release in Portugal and Sweden, like a week after, I'm not sure what happened there, but it's Netflix release. Yeah, so released on the 13th of October, except Portugal, which was the next day, and then Sweden was the week after. So I'm, okay. not, I'm not sure what happened there, but yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, what about the the consensus for this film? It was really really good. Positive. Positive. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. 93, was it? On 175 reviews. So that's... That's a lot of um, critics' reviews. That is a lot too. And the audience was 72% on nearly 5,500. Still really high. Just high, yeah. You know what I love about looking at IMDb and Letterboxd for this film? Mm-hmm. There were more ratings on Letterboxd than there were IMDb. <laughs> about 60 or something? <laughs> yeah. But... That never happens. No. Like, it's normally, like, sort of, Letterboxd has one-third of the amount of reviews as IMDb, but they're both sitting at 31,000 reviews. Letterboxd slightly higher. Yep. Um, 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd, which is which is big. It's quite really big. good scores. Yeah. Very, very high. Um, <laughs> so, this was filmed in and around New York. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of little connections that I sort of... What about... What did you think of Sigourney Weaver as a cameo? <laughs> I think it played nicely in the joke where you yeah. kept mentioning it. It was just... I was just... Wow, that was random. <laughs> it was interesting. I think they just needed any sort of celebrity so that Harold could have that story to relay. Yeah. And he, she said, hi, Harold. And I said, hi, Sigourney. <laughs> she seemed really nice. <laughs> I like... There was a Stephen King reference in this it one. Was there was a Stephen King so reference. So they... Um, 
Matthew's got his son on his phone and he's sort of showing the, the photo off and he's like, oh, that looks like the kid from The Shining. And did then you, the names as well. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Did you notice that yeah. the kid's name was Tony? Tony, yeah. And his brother's name was Danny? Danny, yeah. It's very cool. That's got to be deliberate. Yeah. and you, We cannot escape Stephen King at the moment. No. It's literally in like everything we do. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I'm loving it. What a man. The I like the music in this one too was all done by Randy Newman. Yeah. Um, from a lot of Pixar sort of films. Very Toy story Very Toy Story. I really liked that last song over the credits. Well, the last song was the first time I knew that it was Randy, Randy Newman. Randy Newman, yeah. And I obviously didn't know, I didn't know the rest of it was Randy Newman, but yeah. Yeah. As soon as he starts singing. A couple of little product placements in there. There's a Blackberry phone. Specifically like, yeah, said Blackberry. Blackberry. We couldn't remember anything else. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> they were drinking some Sam Adams beer, which I was like, oh yeah, that's good. So just a couple of little bits that I think I do. Love my products in there. Well, should we have a little bit of our early thoughts on this film? Yeah. What did What did you think, MJ? <sighs> I can't wait to hear what you thought. I I really liked it. Good. I loved the relationships between the characters. I enjoyed the subtle humor and the emotions certainly came out for me. Um, Great performances by as close as we'll get to an A-list cast on Netflix. Um, this film is right up my alley. You? Yeah, um, similar line. I thought the performances were fantastic. And it was hard not to get on board for this ride and just want to follow these characters. Yep. So pretty positive on this one as well. Good. Yeah. I would. I know Heater's not here. I would love to hear what Heater has to say about this film. <laughs> I reckon he'd battle through it. <laughs> It was, a, it was a fairly long movie. Although he does like a good performance, Hater. He does. He does. All right, well, let's have a look at some characters and hit us off with who you want to talk about first. All right. Well, I want to talk about Danny first, but we're going to have a lot of characters to talk about, which is... Well, this which was is a nice. character piece. This, it was. This it was, really was. Look, I, I love that Danny was... Danny was a real family man when family wasn't that important to everyone else in his family, uh, strangely enough. And I, I enjoyed the fact that he was always annoyed when people didn't include him. Yep. Um, he was very conscious of the fact that it's been this way for a long time. Um, and right now he's probably experiencing that sense of loss again with his marriage breakup and then his daughter moving to college. Every single time something happened, he's like, oh, why didn't you call? Why didn't you tell me? Why yeah. wasn't I invited? Um, it just felt really real mm. like someone going through that someone who's been kind of shunned their whole life it just stood out in everything that he did um but I, he was a, he was he was the driving force in this film for me i think you you, you tend to latch on to characters and, and and i was danny in this film yeah and i think they did a good job telling his story first and having him as the first character that you meet yeah. in that car and that that's why you latched onto him i guess yeah for sure i he, he just wanted people to like him that was i just had that feeling that he would do anything for just some sort of affection, some sort of yeah. recognition. You know, he, his daughter, his brother, his dad, his ex-wife, these people, he all just felt that there was some sort of barrier between them and he just didn't want that barrier there. He, w- he wanted that. He wanted them to be closer. Which is interesting because there was definitely no barrier with his daughter. Until... Well, I think it was well, more perceived was, yeah. from him. For, for her, it wasn't. Like she, yeah, her true. dad was like her best friend, and in, in, which is really rare for that kind of relationship at, at, that, at that age. So he was like extremely lucky. Like, do you sit there and go, was Danny unsuccessful? Because obviously you never hear of him working and you always hear that he never really had a job. And yep. um, you look at the clothes that he wears, he's got nowhere to live. And you hear about his potential music career when he was younger and he sort of threw it all away. But is he successful? Because he's just an incredible dad. Like what, what a great dad and what a great family man. So, And I think he was a good son as well. I, I he was feel a very like good well. son um, considering... 
And yeah, right I, to the end, he was a good son. Yeah, and I think that they did a good job with the daughter, and you know, he, you could feel Danny's pain or discomfort when he felt like his brother was closer to her than he was. Yeah, and, and all that yeah, kind of stuff as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why are you texting him? Yeah. Why are you telling him? Oh, you've seen her film. Oh, yeah. like all those little little things. So Matthew, Matt. Yeah, Matt. Um, the 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 stepbrother. I think he sums himself up perfectly how he talks about trying to outrun his father. Yep. Um, the difference is he kind of still had that foresight and that good in him that he understood what he was doing, maybe too late, but he yep. understood it eventually by yep. the end. Because um, it's interesting on the flip side of Danny is he always stresses half-brother. Yeah. Like, half-brother. Yeah. Like he separates himself from the rest of them because he knows he's more successful. He kind of got away from them. Um but his his change is is really pleasant, really nice to see. Yeah, yeah. He was. It wasn't just his dad. He was running from. He was just running from that whole family dynamic, I guess. Um, and you can't go past the part how money focused he was as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, compared to Danny, who obviously you said didn't have a job. You know, it was just day to day what was going on. Whereas Matt was like, everything was about money. His job. Um, helping sell the the property and the artwork. It was that's what it was about for him. I think let's let's go straight into Harold now um, because there's some things about Matt that tie into Harold really nicely. Yep. And you can't really talk about one without the other. And I think you could dissect Harold as a character for the entire entirety of this, <laughs> of this podcast um, because of the idea that um, success, firstly, success meant everything to him, and B, his definition of success meant everything to him, and. Uh, I'd probably get to it later in the scenes when when Matt is calling him out for being um, he's saying oh you know I always tried to outrun you why are you pushing me rah rah and Harold wasn't even angry he was just like yeah but you're so successful I, I, I made you successful even though his son's mad at him it didn't seem to bother him because he had made a son who was successful in his work he had a lot of money he'd done really well yep. and it, it rolls into Harold's distinct lack of empathy for anybody else almost sociopathic in the way that he doesn't understand how his own actions would impact people around him. Um, you can completely understand that he's had four divorces. Yeah. Three. I think one was an old. Yep. So, um, and even in that realization uh, at his friend's art show that the world is kind of moving on um, and he has this sort of fleeting moment of panic where he starts running down the street, Sweet. he still just elects to shut it all out and... He's just so hell-bent on his own agenda. He's so unaware of the people around him or even the conversations that he's in, what's happening. Um, he's a, he's a, just a really selfish guy. Uh, I, I, he sort of comes across as selfish, but I feel like this was a part of his insecurities about... He, was, he always felt left out. So whether that was from, you know, and you, you clearly saw this through this art world, which he'd obviously spent, you know, over 30 years teaching, he's got all this great work, and no matter what he'd done, he'd always felt sort of um, not included or left out. And and in his life, I guess that's how he felt, whereas with this family situation, he sort of held the, the power or the gel with everyone, whereas everyone else was... You know, in in the outside of his world, there was nothing that sort of went right for him. Whether it was his marriages or his mm-hmm. relationship with his kids or his relationship with his grandkids, like um, there was just all these little little things that, yeah, he was struggling. I guess. I think it came down to his own definition of what was successful, and he didn't. Yeah. 
I don't think he sees himself as a successful artist. No, not at all. He kind of hung his hat on that piece of work that had been put away. That was like his one shining light. But he failed to notice, and this is what the film does really well, is how incredible a teacher he was, the impact that he had on his students. Because um, we hear people talk exactly, about... Exactly, you, you get know, testimonies yeah. about it. And he talked about how much his kids meant to him to these other people, whereas the kids never actually felt that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I don't think he ever thought he was successful because he didn't have his own art show or he wasn't having um, pieces of work put into museums and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. But no, the, the, the success was there. He yeah. just didn't see it. And it was touching. Like It was almost like you know there was that scene where he goes to... Uh, Matt's mum's house and there's that artwork on the wall of his and he's yeah. like, oh, she put it on the wall. On the wall. Yeah. So, you know, the, these, these little recognitions that, you know, he takes them as wins, whereas yeah. I think, yeah, deep down, he, he wanted this public recognition that he, he did, probably yeah. never got. But he, he also thinks that this the, the world kind of revolves around him and the people in it are part of his story and he uses them the way he sees fit. Like, you look at the way he treats Danny and Jean compared to the way he treats Matt. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, and I know, I know that's, that's half the problem. And that's, that's, there's obviously a lot of commentary around family and, and around parenting and all that kind of stuff as well. But, um, he doesn't quite seem to, and, and that's the thing, he's got no empathy. I think that's kind of the thing that I touched on earlier yep. because he's so in his own head and in his, in his own world. Hmm. I agree. Eliza, I want to talk about her. Yeah, so do I. Cause I... I see Eliza being the representation of everything Danny wished he was. Oh yeah. So she's good with these relationships. She's happy to, she's got, you know, had a boyfriend, got another boyfriend who's obviously really good for her. She's good at art or some sort of art musical yep. sort of thing that Danny, you know, wanted to be good at fits in with um, his brother or her uncle. So she's got all these relationships and things that, you know, he's always wanted or wished he had. And, that's and really that's good sort point. of, that's sort of what she she is, and that's why I think he he treats her so dearly. And towards the end, when you see, you know, he tries to give her some advice about what she's drinking, and it just doesn't go well because he feels like that, you know, that's my experience. You should everything. You should be listening to me. That's almost like a power struggle he has because mm. Matt's there. Yeah, as well. To, True. Yep. He wants to show that he's. I, it's funny that you say that because all those things that you say about Danny, on the surface, Danny doesn't have those things, even though he is a really good friend. He is a really good son. He is a really good father. Yep. She just kind of. Not that she does it better. It's just more obvious mm. the success that she has with it. I I, th- I always I also thought of her. I think you bang on there. I thought of her as almost like a twenty nineteen, well twenty seventeen when the film was made. But, <laughs> yeah. but even like say twenty nineteen version of like artistry as opposed to like the old school Howard. The way that art has changed yep. between Howard, who would have been prominent in like the sixties, to what it is now. The the distinct difference in what art is and how art is consumed and the yeah. way it's portrayed. And how she can get her art to whoever she wants, whenever she wants, yeah. whereas his is just sitting inside this house. Yeah. Uh, how is the irony of them like having that show at the end when there's just a piece of art sitting there and you're talking and you're talking about her just flicking videos around on the computer and yep. um, I found that like a nice little just juxtaposition of, of both those characters. She had such a good heart though, and she was such a real family girl when again at that age how many times do you see people that age just kind of just put their family aside for a little bit? Yeah, like as soon as grandpa was sick, she was back. Bang, she was yeah. there. She was there to help out. Maureen. Maureen. I wanted to chat about Maureen because start? Yeah. I, I sort of felt for her a little bit. Um, so she was always this outsider. She had no kids of her own. She's always in these awkward situations with these kids that obviously she's been in their lives, but none of them have really got this massively good connection with her. And, 
you know, she, it's like she's having to take on all these kids who have got these daddy issues. So it's not necessarily that they have the issues with her. It's the issues with the dad. And I just thought that was really, it was done really nicely. Um, and she made this comment where she's like, you know, um, she thinks all the kids are disappointments as children to their father. She made this comment towards the end. And I sort of thought like, I like Matt's response to her because his response was pretty much, you know, no one looked after them. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't, you know, dad didn't look after him, Maureen didn't look out for him. So realistically, who was she to judge? And I feel that they did this through her alcoholism as well. Like, was she ever sober throughout that whole film? Didn't seem to nah, be. No. Even, even though um, Harold was like, oh, yeah, you know, she's yeah, been she clean six drinking, weeks, yeah. she stopped drinking. And then the first time you see her, Jean's like, Maureen is happy. <laughs> <laughs> she crashed into a tree. She doesn't like all these things. So I, I like that, you know, she's happy to make these judgments on things, whereas, you know, she's got her own issues that she's trying to deal with, with this family dynamic as well, I guess. Yeah, I think you've, you've nailed it with her. I... I, I found her really difficult to like, um, but for reasons that you've made you've made clear, like she obviously didn't understand the family dynamic at in the Mywood's house. But how could she? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the one thing I do, I, I found her a little bit manipulative, but I kind of think that was a good thing because considering no one else could really manipulate Howard, she did have this ability to do it. And he needed someone who could talk to him, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and kind of make things happen. Because as I said, he was so in his own head, in his own world. The idea of her getting them to sell the house, at the end of the film, I'm like, how the hell would she have done that? Because this guy is so difficult. Yeah. So there's something about her and having that outside of you. Because remember, this is just a story about a family, right? This is not. This is nothing about uh, like this big thing that happens to this really famous family. This is just a normal family. Mm. And and the idea that an outsider can come in and look at a normal family who has their issues, but still sort of navigate their way through it in, in her own way. And like you said, she was the person, she got stuff done. Like you see that the first thing she's like, I need you to clean out your stuff from upstairs. Yeah. And she was the one that was pushing that along. So she was, yeah, she was the doer of that family, I guess. Getting those sunglasses out those, of the house. Those sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. I, I have one more, Jean. We, oh, we haven't spoken about Jean. Yeah. She, yeah, you go. I like that where you sort of meet her and they tell, oh, what do you do? She works at Xerox. Oh, yeah, I can't remember that. Or well, she works with Xerox. And I just thought that that was a quite funny little thing because um, she wasn't artistic and it's this whole thing about, like you mentioned before, about this art sort of world. So she just makes copies of stuff. So she doesn't oh, yeah, So yeah. she doesn't actually have this, um, you know, this, this ability to be creative a bit like, yeah. whereas the others have all they've tried to be. Yeah, they've got that skill yeah. somewhere. Um but she was a decent person who... She was a good yeah, person. Yeah, always there for the dad, no matter what. She cares about her family and she doesn't expect anything in return. Not at all. And I guess, how would she ever expect anything in return when she's never got anything in return? But she knows that she deserves better. But just the idea, and, and it's such a simple idea when they're like, why are you, why are you doing this? And she's like, because it's family. Mm. And, and that idea is, is probably so relatable for so many people watching this film being like, geez, my family, you know, drives me crazy, but they're family. Yeah. Um, Cause she went through more than you could ever expect someone to go through. And then the way her dad handled that situation was yeah. terrible. The older she gets, the more foresight she should have of, geez, that was a really bad, bad situation. situation. Um, and she's still there, even though he still constantly treats her like shit. Mm. Um, She's so, she, yeah, she's so thoughtful too because the first scene where um, Danny comes back to the grandparents, she's just sitting in that other room waiting for him to have his time and then like, yeah, I'm here too. Hi. Yeah. It was just nice. she yeah. said, I thought dad wanted to greet you alone. Yeah. Something. yeah. Crazy. Like she puts everyone in front of herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a lot of time for her. Any other characters that you want to talk about? 
No, no. I haven't. I haven't there are lots of little minor characters along the way, but I think we've sort of touched on yeah, all the good ones the crux that we probably that, need to. Basically, the whole Mywitz family, really. Yeah. So, the director, Noah Bombach. Bombach. Do you know of his work? I do. Um, the only film I've actually seen of his is Greenberg, yep. um, which also starred Ben Stiller, which I watched probably not long after it came out and I had a lot of trouble with. Okay. Um, but very familiar with like Kicking and Screaming, While We're Young, While we're young Marriage yeah. Story on Netflix. Yeah. And it's been directing since 1995. So this is sort of one of those directors where it, it, it's a, you know, a director it's, it's that's a little, done a, yeah, a fair yeah, bit of work. Uh, Oscar nominated for Best Original Screenplay back in 05. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he's... He's certainly got a big name for himself and yeah. um, good get. Yeah. And the cast, I think, was amazing. I, yeah. I thought, you, you don't try and recast this in any way. No, nah, you can't, can no. you? I thought Adam Sandler was... I mean, we, we've actually, obviously, this is the fourth Adam Sandler film we've done. Yeah. So this would have been the last one of his first stint because he did four films first up for Netflix or did the stand-up comedy... Does this count as one of his Netflix films? Or uh, okay, maybe not actually. It's yeah. a good thing we probably should have looked up because I, I don't point. know if this actually counts as one. Because this is just a film he was in. Yeah, this was on a ha- uh, was it a Happy Madison? Production? Very good point. It's not like your Sandy Wexler's yeah. and Ridiculous Six and Do Overs. Do Over. Yeah, it's a very good point. Well, yeah, I'm not sure that it actually counts, but nah, good point. Yeah, but um, we've kind of critiqued his performances over the episodes. <laughs> um, I gotta take my hat off to him. I thought he was awesome. Yeah, he was really good. Really, really good. It wasn't the Adam Sandler we knew. It was still a little bit of the Adam Sandler. <laughs> there are a few scenes there. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we love that Adam Sandler. Yeah. So, um, awesome performance. Well done, mate. Look at some scenes. Let's look at some scenes. Tell, tell, give us, give the audience a, a rundown of some scenes that really stood out for you. Well, I've got some good ones because I did like this film. Um, the opening scene where they're looking for a park <laughs> was, was a great way to introduce both of those characters. Sure was. I love the way that Danny would lose his completely lose his cool and then just go back to Eliza and just have the most normal conversation. Um, I liked how they opened that, you know, him being a bad driver and, you know, swearing at people and then they closed his little opening story with that same sort of scene where he's in the car by himself. Oh, yeah. And it sort of right. cuts to the next story. So I liked that little closure and that one little story oh, almost. That was good. That was really good. Um, I loved the song that they sang, Mummy and Daddy and Genius Girl Make Three. Uh, when they were singing that at the house, and I liked all the situations around the piano because it was this time where they brought everyone together. Yeah. Um, and yet, the I think looking at the credits, there were two original Sandler songs. So probably the first time since the Ridiculous Six, maybe that we've had an original Sandler song. What was the song? In? Oh, around, around the, the campfire. campfire. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a good song. Have yeah. you seen his stand-up? I have. Yeah. He's yeah. got some great songs. In yeah, that. it's a good stand-up. I think we probably mentioned that before. It's a good, yeah. good show worth watching. Um, <laughs> I loved it when Eliza sent her first movie, um, and obviously it's pretty it's pretty graphic. And they watch it for about a minute, and then he closes the laptop and says, "I'm going to watch this alone first, I think." <laughs> After they'd already seen like everything, uh, thought that was very funny. That was great humor timing, uh, and it actually showed a lot about Eliza's character that you didn't necessarily know at that point, like how far out she was into her art. <laughs> Um, I mentioned this before talking about the characters, but I loved the scene when Matthew was calling Harold out at the car and Harold just not understanding because he thinks Matthew's a success because he makes money and that just really highlighted where Matthew was coming from and it showed a turn in, in Matthew. Um, yeah, it's a nice scene. In the way he sort of... Um, back to another little funny moment when they found out about how the guy molested or 
basically molested Jean. Yeah. And they were trying to think of what to do. And before <laughs> they ruined the car, Daddy just goes, I'm going to spit on him. <laughs> I like them. They go, should we kick the shit out of him? Nah, he's 80. Okay, let's spit on him. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was like the go-to. And um, I like the follow-up on that as well. Like to cut it, like, you know, they smash the living Dallas out of this car and they go back, you know, thinking Jean's going to be so happy that they've done this yeah. for her. And she's like, you know, he has dementia. Like, um, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and they're like, well, he didn't have dementia when he molested you. <laughs> and she's like, he did not molest. <laughs> she's like, well, I'm glad you feel better, but I'm still fucked up. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was also, a, yeah, that, even that was just a nice little bonding moment between the, the siblings. Yeah. Um, the final one I want to bring up, and I think this kind of sums up the movie really well. Um, based off the, the quote, the scene itself I didn't love, but I loved it when Danny said... Uh, you know, sometimes I wish dad had done one horrible, unforgivable thing, something specific I could be angry about, but it isn't one thing. It's tiny things every day. But it's just the perfect observation of his own dad, his own situation. But I also think it sums up the movie really well because the movie is more or less about obviously a whole host of things, family and parents and sibling rivalry and success and fulfillment and all that kind of stuff. But it's shown in a way that highlights the tiny moments that sort of build up life and how you deal with the fact that life actually is just a situation of small moments as opposed to these big moments that you think you're always going to remember. You're more defined by the little things. Yep. Uh, And that's what this film is basically doing scene by scene. Nice. That's what nice I Nice little about collection. The film too. Well, I had a couple of those. So the other ones that I had as well, I thought the early bonding scene with uh, Danny and Harold, where they have like these little um, sort of like little cuts of them doing all these different things when they're playing billiards. And then you see he's got that temper. He's like, you know, I saved all this money for that yeah, pool cue. And just <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, I, li- I liked whenever Harold ran. There were a couple <laughs> of times where he ran. And I was like, he this. He more than once, did he? Um, so he ran from the art show. Yeah. He ran to chase the guy with the jacket. There are these these little scenes, and I just it just reminded me of my uncle and how he runs. But I just I just really I just I don't know why I liked that. Dustin <laughs> um, often was was excellent. We should mention. Yeah, he was. Um, Harold's fussiness with those restaurants. Those, <sighs> I really enjoyed those scenes because, and then when he goes, you know, he complains, "Oh, it's thirty five dollars for that piece of salmon." Then he goes, "Does it blow you for that?" <laughs> and then follow on with that that chase with the jacket. I thought that was funny as well. Um, he was really frustrating me by that point though. Mm, as he, he I was, was just like. This guy. I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, I bet he didn't take your jacket. Like, you're just going to make your son look like an absolute dickhead. And that, and that's obviously part of that fall that he had. He's starting to lose a little bit of his memory and stuff what's happening. Yeah. Uh, I like the the moment where the three kids, they, they're in the hospital and they start to sit down and, and write down everything that's happening. And it's like the first time you see them all working together. Yeah. I really like that because it shows this change of them as a group and as a family almost. And... You know, you see this follow-on scene where they're, they're sitting around drinking, around the piano, playing cards. I just like that little moment as yeah. a family that you got to see them. Well, they kind of got guilted into it from Matthew at the start. <laughs> it's like, why aren't you writing all this down? They're like, oh, okay. like, And they're the two that don't fit in, so why wouldn't they do it, right? But then they worked well because they took over shifts watching <laughs> and sharing the notes and yeah. working together. I, I did like that. Uh, the the scene towards the end where Danny and um, Matt are arguing over their lives. Okay out on the grass and they yeah. start to wrestle and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I get that they they probably had that precursor where they take those pills to sort of heighten the emotions yeah. between the two, but I did like that they put it out there. So I didn't have this in my scenes I didn't like. I wrote, I liked it and then I didn't like it and then I liked, liked it, it and then I didn't like it. 
and then they had the scuffle sort of thing. Yeah. There was times where sometimes it was like almost this felt like it was going to be the most pivotal scene in the film. And I guess maybe that comes down to the drugs that they took. Yeah. It, it just felt so... It, it just changed pace every single time. I didn't know what was going to... And then uh, Eliza comes out and, you know, has yeah. that scuffle with the drink. And I'm like, oh, this is not working. And then they have to have a little fight. And I, I just couldn't... Because there are bits of it I loved and there's yeah. bits that I, didn't, I really didn't like. And I think that's a funny like scene. I like that up and downness of it because yeah, that, that's good. what family's about sometimes. True. Up and yeah, down. you're right. Um, last bit, I, I, I thought it was really obvious, but I liked that the piece of art that Matthew bought wasn't actually about him. I could see it coming. I knew it wasn't going to be actually about him, but I did like that. I thought that was nice. Can't believe you got a piece of art you call after one, one of your sons. Yeah. And you, yeah. Because yeah. he'd made a, a, a big... Um, discussion earlier in the film where that LJ guy had made a piece of artwork about his daughter and he made a big comment about mm. you shouldn't bring your kids into your artwork so from that moment on when there was a piece of artwork called Matthew I was like there's something more to this than being about Matthew yeah. so I thought it was obvious but I did like it it was kind of nice as well when he said oh, I wasn't born that year and then <laughs> he just real blase was like oh it must have been Danny yeah <laughs> like it was normally he would like never want to admit to that no because he's, he's... he realises how much Danny actually does do yeah. It's kind of cool about that. Yeah. All right. What what didn't you like? Uh, very little, mate. I I, I kind of half didn't like that scene I spoke about before, and the other scene again. It's only like a half didn't like was was the lunch scene that you spoke about, when the person on the other table was putting stuff, stuff on, on the me. table. Because uh, I I didn't mind the lunch scene as well, but when that was happening, I was kind of like, okay, like now you're just showing this guy's just a grumpy old man. But then I did laugh when he drank out of his wine. <laughs> so. Mate, I, I, there's very little I That annoys me at restaurants myself, though. So I was like, ah, oh, I'm in, I'm in for that, this. Though, yeah. People do that. They take your little space. I'm like, hey, this is our table. Yeah, yeah you would. Yeah, I'm, I'm a grumpy old man yeah. already. We know that. Um, I That's it. I really liked the film, so I didn't dislike much. The only things I didn't like were Eliza's short films. <laughs> just the <laughs> pagina. I was just like... It was supposed to be... It was supposed to be weird and out there. Completely off-brand yeah. for everything else in that film. And you know what? Like... I don't know whether it was Grace Van Patten or whether it was just the way their character was written. It felt so on brand. Hmm. Like, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I just, yeah, I thought it was just so contrasting to everything else that you've seen. And then you get these full on sex videos. It was just, yeah. <laughs> it was very interesting. I didn't, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. No. All right. Well, we've touched on a bit of this stuff already, but this film was saying quite a bit, I think. So yeah. hit us off with what you think. Uh, look, I can sort of bundle three of them into one being family sibling sibling rivalry and parenting yep all rolled into I've, one I've got similar lines for, for family as well yeah um, look basically the, the, what I love about this is as I said this is just an ordinary family and and everything that this family is going through is exactly what other families are going to in one way or another um, not the specifics of it but the way you feel and you know feeling left out or parents not being able to look after the kids properly or um, resentment for your sibling, all that kind of stuff um, was just, I love the fact that it just dedicated the time to, to showing it. Yep. So yeah, like the parenting thing as well, like they made some comment along the way that you shouldn't be best friends with your kids and you know, this dysfunction of this family and no one getting along with their wives. It's all sort of tied into that. that family what do you think dynamic. about that idea of being best friends with your kids? It's an interesting one. It's a very interesting yeah. one. Cause I don't know. I don't know whether that's what Danny felt like, the way that, you know, he's sitting by his phone watching the text, seeing whether Eliza's texting back and can see it and then it just goes away and he's like, oh, just Well, the idea of, you know, him calling her and she's like, you know what, I won't go out, I'll talk yeah. to you. Like, how, it's like roles reversed. Reversed, yeah. But you know what, I, I've, in life, this is not in film anymore, I've never seen an issue with people being really good friends with their parents. I think it's awesome. 
it is good, but then you sometimes you do need a parent figure to take charge and take command and actually, you know, guide sure. or say, hey, you've done the wrong thing there rather than just side with them the whole time. True. Yeah, no, I think a healthy relationship isn't just siding with them. Though. Yeah. What else you got? Um, well, success and legacy and what defines success and what part of your legacy is more important? Is it more important that you were um, had a prominent career and you're going to be remembered or is it more important that you've got a great family yeah. that's going to continue to live on? Good points. Yeah. And then the other thing that I've got is life and big moments versus little moments. And this yep. is probably the thing that struck a chord with me most. And that's why I love seeing a film like this. That in your life, Jesse. It's not, it hasn't been that long, but yeah. No, but in your life, you're going to be dictated more about the small moments of your life than the big moments. Yeah. And you can look back on your big moments of your life and they're going to be good or bad or whatever, but you're going to be able to count them on two hands probably. But the small moments that define who you are and everything else that happens are happening happening right now. So I, I like the fact that they focus on that. Like just because, just because everyone goes to college and has to say goodbye to their daughter doesn't mean it's not a, a transformation moment for for Danny and all this kind of stuff. I think, I think they closed that off really well at the end with Harold sitting there watching that black and white thirties film and he's talking about you know why they're all dressed in tuxedos. Why does no one you know everyone dresses so casual now? And it was sort of like this nice thing you know. People live shorter lives and they just want to celebrate life. And that, yeah, that's, that's that what was, it's wasn't about. that yeah. a nice line? That was yeah. a very nice line. And I love the fact that Danny always wore shorts. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. Uh, I think it was saying a bit about art as well. Like you mentioned before, um, this family with you know your pianos, your sculptures, your, your playing music, making your films. And early on, it did lose me a little bit with a lot of the art talk. Um, but yeah, I think that it was trying to show this, this world that... Um, you know, art is important no matter what it is and art can be family, like you said too. Um, I liked the this sort of change idea too, like change versus not change because I don't think Harold changed at all. I think that's pretty obvious. No. And it was almost like when he was in hospital, it was like the hospital was stepping in as this parent because he was he literally couldn't move. There was nothing that he could do. It turned into all the kids. And this sort of showed you that he was never going to change. Mm. He was stuck in this this moment and he was never going to change. And I liked that Matt and Danny did change. And you know, at the end Matt says, "Hey, I'm going to try and visit dad more. I want to spend more time with my kid who's starting kinder. Um, I'm going to pay for you Danny's care. I'm going to pay for you to come to LA." Yeah. And you know, and then Danny's changes. He finally, at the end, he says that goodbye to his dad and says, I'm going to LA. I'm doing something for myself for a change. So I, for some reason, didn't have that in my favorite scenes, but I, I love that. I love yeah. that scene. Just Smashes the cookies. But the way he kind of whispers it, because he's saying it to himself. He's yeah. not saying it to his dad. He's like letting go. Being Anybody's like, I, I love you. I forgive you. Yeah. All the stuff that they, they learned, they in, that, learned yeah. in that session. And he had a prior conversation with Matt about, you know, when they actually have to say goodbye. Mm. And this was like he was saying goodbye. But it was awesome because it was his way of being like, look, I'm doing everything for you. You can't you can't question, you know, how much I love you and how much I'm always going to be here for you. But you know what? I'm not doing myself at the moment. I need to do myself. And I, I love that. And I, you could almost argue that, and I've seen some stuff online being like, what about that last scene with, with Danny? Like, that was stupid, you know, mouthing those words. And it's like, no, that was perfect. Yeah. He said it because he wasn't saying it to his dad. He was saying it to himself. And that was the, the final part of his transformation. Yeah. And again, the transformation doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't no. have to be, you're now a successful piano player. No, no you've just you've just taken a step to looking for your, looking out for yourself more than, more than anyone else. And rebuilding that connection with his brother, which I think was really important yeah. for him too. 
without hampering the connection with his father. In fact, if anything, strengthening the connection with his father. Yeah, because he, he's like, you know, not getting pushed around. The dad's got the carer. He's going to be okay. Yeah. He's going to be okay. There's nothing that he can do by staying there at the time for the time being. And the way that Harold, Harold was like, no, you have to do this. You have to be there for me. You have to do this. And he's like, I, I don't. Mm. But I did love it how he said, I'll clean this up. There's a little bit about perceptions too, how people perceived you, whether it was in the family, whether it was in the art world. And then finally, I like this sort of idea of New York as well. Like, I was waiting for this because yeah. you had to go at one of the movies about LA or Hollywood, Hollywood not being, yeah. should have been, been a character, wasn't yeah. a character. New York was a massive character. Yeah, I, I almost had New York in the characters and I was like, nah, yeah. hold it here. Like New York, there's just that whole, those art galleries, plus there's constant talk about the Mets, the baseball, the Knicks, just throughout the film. So it was just nice to get this feeling of where it they are. So and it, and it was so, so New York and so... They use that LA comparison so well with Matt as well. Like LA and New York are these complete differences and Matt was such a complete difference to everyone else. I really liked that. And then they combined them at the end by Danny's going to LA. So yeah. that, that stark difference was gone. He's literally getting out of there. Mm. Yeah. So I did like that. Yeah. All right. Well, what do we take away from this film? What I loved that you kind of slightly just referenced then was that the family actually never really talks about anything meaningful. And any time it gets too serious, they sidestep the conversation and nobody stops them from sidestepping because they don't actually want to get in that serious conversation. And a lot of the time is they'll be talking about something and they'll be like, oh, the Mets game's on. Or we would say, oh, how did the Knicks go the other night? Every time it gets serious, they would change the subject completely. And I found that really relatable. I... I can imagine my family doing the same thing. If things got a bit serious, you just start talking about sport or, and you, no one would be like, Hey, we should talk about this. It's just like, yep, yeah, cool. We've moved off this. That's fine. I've got literally the same sort of thing, but from a different perspective. <laughs> okay. So the cuts from the scenes were incredible in doing the same thing. They literally, anything that was happening, they cut it from actually continuing. So it yeah. wasn't like you're getting this repeat, but like, for example, when, um, Danny's doing that speech at the end. He's about to say thank you to everyone for listening. And before he even gets to finish it, it just cuts to the next title. Yeah, right. So well, yeah. Similar sort of thing. Anything meaningful, it was just cut because that that's what If happened. it gets too meaningful, the, the, the idea of the film changes because mm. the film isn't about the big meaningful things no. necessary, so, uh, necessarily. So really, I, I enjoyed that because initially it was standing out for me early on. I was like, they just keep cutting, cutting themselves yeah. off or... yeah. I've, I've, you know, this wouldn't have been bad to see at the cinemas. This would have been good, yeah. but I don't know how profitable. Small market, yeah. Yeah, then that's that's an interesting thing. So I think there's definitely still a cinema-loving audience who, who love to see these types of movies. And if it had have got more awards buzz, then maybe it starts to become profitable at a cinema. Um, but in a sense, I also think that it has a great space on a streaming product because... It's compounded by the fact that it's got Sandler Hoffman, Stiller, Thompson in it to make people go, oh, I'll watch this watch anyway. Mm-hmm. And it just makes, I find it really interesting to see how it's going to play out. And we talked about this at the start in the next few years. These really, let's call them Oscar worthy films, aren't necessarily going to make money in the cinemas no. if they don't get nominated, right? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be places on streaming platforms for them to live at the very start because they're going to be like, look, if this film doesn't get nominated, then we aren't going to make money on it. But it's still a great film. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the industry trends with having to have cinematic releases prior to getting nominated and all that kind of stuff. Because I think there's a, there's a great opportunity on streaming services for all these kinds of films consistently coming out. Totally agree. And I'm not talking like coming out after it's done three months. I'm talking about it living 
Mm. Very start. You go, hey, there's a new really good movie coming out. It's on Netflix or it's on yeah. whatever. All right. IMDb. Yeah. I, did you jump on IMDb at all to look up anyone, anything? I did. As I said, I think I don't think I watch a film without being on IMDb anymore. <laughs> I, I, I sadly did do it for Grace Van Patten for a <laughs> me long time. Me too. It annoyed me, <laughs> it made me too when I was like, like God, you are so <laughs> familiar. I was like, it's that Cheyenne Wooley, whatever her name is, oh, yeah. like again. And I was like, oh, damn, I remember what she's from now. So the thing that annoyed me is that, so she's from Tramps, which is a film that we did on Netflix uh, not too long ago. The thing that annoyed me on Tramps, I made a point of being like, this girl can act and I am going to keep an eye on her because I want to see what else she's in. And as soon as I see another film she's in, I'm like, oh, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> like, so that's on me. I'm really sorry, Grace, but it won't happen again because I think you're a star. I'm going to buy some stock in Grace, Grace Van Patten. No, <laughs> I, she, I did great. the same. I looked her up too because I couldn't work out what she was from. But I also had another one. Yeah, um, yeah. The Doctor, Dr. Sony. Oh, yeah. So her name is Sakina Jaffrey, um, and she plays Linda Vasquez in House of Cards. So I was like, I remember you. I know you from something. I was like, ah, you're from House of Cards. Yeah. See, I needed to do Jean, who ah. Elizabeth Marvell, who's Heather Dunbar, Dunbar from, from House of Cards. Because you know what? As soon as I saw her, I'm like, you're familiar. And then I was like, House of Cards. But yeah. I just wanted to double check. Yeah, good. All right. Well, have you got any questions that you'd like to ask me? Um, yeah, I do. Good. Go. What did you think of the ending when they find the piece of work of Harold's? So... Did it say that, yes, he was successful and no one, including himself, really knew it? Or was it just highlighting the ambiguity of what is good art, what makes good art? I think the second part, yeah, there's that question as what is good art? And I also had that, I, my question to you, one of my questions was what's actually in there? I found that more intriguing. That like, was the piece that he spoke about. Yeah, but what, what's it look like? Ah, okay. I want to know exactly. Sure. I, I knew that that's what he's talking yeah, about. But I remember I know... he said, they're like, oh, they've lost it. He goes, no, 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 it's, it's mm, in storage it's in somewhere. There. I just want to know what it looks like. Like, what's yeah, it visually okay. like? Like, compared to what else we saw, yeah. what's it look like? Um, but yeah, I think, I think you get like that, that second part that you're talking about where, yeah, it's about this ambiguity. Mm. I like and that. art is. It's mm. the best thing about art is that it's incredibly subjective. Massively. And for us, like my favorite art form is cinema. Yep. And the beauty is, and we've proven this on this podcast, that (laughs) if one person likes it, it doesn't mean everyone likes it. Exactly. And that's why we love art. It is. Sometimes we have better discussions when we both differ on our opinions. We definitely do. Um, Do you have anything else you want to ask? No, that was all I wanted to ask you. At the start, this this hasn't happened since I think Beast of No Nation. Oh wow! That's... When the Netflix logo came up, it didn't do the. Didn't. Oh, <laughs> you know, when you first said that in our very first podcast, yeah. I was like, "Well, I'm going to listen to this yeah. every time." Damn it! Yeah, I didn't like because I, I stopped it and I went back to the start. I'm like, maybe I just missed it and played it the start twice. No. Didn't. So Beast of No Nation was similarly had a theatrical release and was I think trying to be in the hunt for awards. Mm. Surely it's got nothing to do with that. You think not? Where's yeah, it? I don't know. I just picked up. I was like, oh, because I'm so used to the... Da-dun. We've got it. Like, you know what? A Google search probably gives us the answer to that. Possibly. Yeah. Just thought I'd Man. get your opinion. Um, Damn it. One thing. So there was a scene where Matt was filling up with petrol and he's on the phone to his kid. That scared the living day. the same <laughs> thing. Yeah. I was like, surely... That's a no-no. I also think that maybe... Petrol stations are leading us on. Yeah. Maybe it's not that big an issue. Your phone's not going to blow up with... I... <laughs> I only re- realized that in the last few years that, that you're not supposed to use your phone at a petrol, petrol station. station. But um, I don't think it's that big. I was walking to pay. So I'd left the car, the car's off, and I took my phone out of my pocket and the guy on the PA said, put your phone away. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a keen eye. Yeah, very keen eye. Yeah, it must have been a very quiet day. I wonder what it does. I don't know. I saw this, this online, this quote, and I liked it. 
Danny has a bum leg, but are Matthew's hang-ups just as crippling? Cool. Cool. How good's that? I don't know. I think it's a little bit forced. (laughs) I liked it. Um... Yeah, I, I, I just liked it. That's the, how you the, know. No, but the beauty of the beauty of both those characters is that they tend to they basically overcome both of those deficiencies. True. One being physical, one being emotional. Emotional. Yeah. Good answer. I liked it. All right, let's wrap this up. We give our film a rating out of five, and then we see what we've got as a team. So, MJ, what are your thoughts? Oh, well, you know, after this great discussion, <laughs> I very much enjoyed it. Um, Perfectly captured the importance of a in, in somewhat mundane mundane moments in life. And it did so with a thoughtful and relatable family dynamic and aided by great characters portrayed by great performances. Uh, it opened up my brain a little bit and that's what you search for in a good film. Four stars. Very nice. So I find when I was trying to write this, I found it really hard to try and verbalize why I like this film. Cause I do, I did like it, but I found it hard. And um, we just spoke about it for under an hour. We, yeah. And <laughs> like it was fairly complex and didn't necessarily have this. It didn't really have a happy ending. Like it's not a no, not necessarily. Not necessarily but yeah. it, it didn't. It had a more positive than negative. Yeah, ending. and to me, that's that's just life. Um, so you don't get to choose your family, but you get to choose which family you pay the most attention to and spend the most time with, I guess. And and I like that. So I too am giving it a four out of yes. five. So as an average, what does that give us, MJ? <laughs> uh, I didn't bring a calculator. Nah, it's a tough so, one. Yeah. We might have to say that. <laughs> four See, out of five. That's why if Hita was here, I don't think we'd be looking at an average of four. Probably not, so <laughs> this is going to bump it up in our rankings quite a bit. Not enough guns and narcos characters, <laughs> which is why we love having Hita as a point of difference sometimes. We do. All right, well, we are on social media. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you search us, we're at Flix Forum. The question I'm going to ask this week is, will anyone tell Eliza that her films aren't that great? Aren't they? I don't know. I don't think that... I don't know. See, that's probably a part mm. of the question too. Very subjective. Jesse. Very subjective. It's art. We spoke about this. So that'll be on social media. Please continue. She'll make it. She'll make it. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad. Well, please continue to listen to us through Podmas as we're going through yes. right up to Christmas Day. Um, give us a five-star rating on any of the Five platforms ones, that you listen to us on. Tomorrow, we're doing another film. We are. It's the 2017 horror drama, 1922. Mm. It's directed by Zach Hilditch. It stars Thomas Jane, Neil McDonough, and Molly Parker. Cool. I'm looking forward to this one too. Me too. Stephen King again. Mm. <laughs> Bring it on. Thanks for catching up. It was a good good chat between the two of us. Yes. No, that's, that's the sort of film that A, you want to watch for a reason, but B, you want to talk about. Mm. And half the reason we want to do this podcast is because we just want to talk about films. Yep. And exactly. As soon as I finish this film, I'm like, I need to talk to someone about this film. <laughs> it's nice. It's a great film. All right. Well, we'll see you guys tomorrow. See you then.